Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you're fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have all been called to communion in Christ. We've been given the mission of bringing our brothers and sisters, bringing all people to Jesus, and bringing revival to the church. So, our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Come on, Jesus is the new manna, the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us every single day in the most holy Eucharist. Uh, I just want to say thanks real quick to everybody out there who's left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for helping us get the word out that Jesus is truly alive and he's about a good work and he is truly present in the Holy Eucharist. So thanks for all of you who have done that. So got a really exciting and special episode for you today. We are down at Prairie Star Ranch at Camp Tekak with up. Camp's wrapping up here. I think this is either the last week or the second to last week here at camp, but I'm joined by some upright stout-hearted gentlemen, Mr. Max Neumeyer, Mr. Drew Foster, and Mr. Jimmy Mendoza. Welcome, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Oh, you're, you're you. very welcome. Come on in. So, gentlemen, tell me a little bit about who you are, your state of life, where you at. Uh, we'll go clockwise. So, Max. Um, yeah, I just graduated from St. James Academy. I will be a freshman at Benedictine College. Go Ravens. Go Ravens. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be on here. Uh, so you just graduated from St. James Academy. We're actually recording this on the Feast of St. James the Greater. Shout out, your school's namesake. But yeah, you're going to Benedictine. You're going to be a raven. I am. Any idea what you want to study? I'm going business general to start, but I'm going to put my feet in the water and see what happens. Nice. Come on. Business is good. I've got a finance degree, so that's why I started working for the church like this. That's that's a joke, and that might come out. Cool. <laughs> Drew, tell us about you, Drew. Uh, well, uh, my name is Drew, and I am now originally from Kansas City, from St. Louis. Okay. And I uh, went to Benedictine College, met my wife there, started working at camp uh, in 2008, and have been here ever since. Nice. And uh, work as an assistant director down here at camp uh, through the summer. And when I'm not, uh, I'm going to be uh, back at St. James teaching sophomore theology okay. again for another year. Nice. Uh, so I'll be year 10 out at St. James. Uh, yeah, go Thunder. What's your favorite topic within sophomore theology to talk about, oh, to there's, teach? There's so many. Uh, I love that we get a full three weeks to talk about the Eucharist mm. every spring. Cool. And we get to dive deep into the scripture and dive deep into the miracles and help people see, yeah, that really is Jesus. Nice. Yeah. Now, was Max a good student? I didn't have him. Was Jimmy, I, a, was Jimmy a good student? Jimmy was a good student. Oh, uh, of course, of course. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being yep. here, Drew. Oh, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Jimmy Mendoza. Who is Jimmy Mendoza? Yeah, my name is Jimmy Mendoza. I'm a seminarian going into my second year of the college studies, so on the philosophy side of things. I'm studying for the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. Nice. God willing, I'll be ordained a priest in seven years. Nice. So you are in philosophy. <laughs> you're going into philosophy two. Yes, going into philosophy two. Cool. Or second philosophy, as they say. But what are you most excited for with this coming year? 
I'm really excited. We will be going to World Youth Day in this upcoming next week, Yeah, which is this great Catholic conference in Portugal. There's going to be youth coming from all over mm-hmm. and ministry and talking to other people, other yeah. members of the church. is really one of the main reasons that I wanted to be a seminarian in the first place. Right. So I think this will be a really rewarding experience and get to see God a lot in it. For sure. For sure. And it's happening in, is it Santiago? Is it, where is it happening? Lisbon, Portugal. Lisbon. Okay. So that's the capital of Portugal? Yes. Sure thing. World Geography got it on lock. Drew, could you tell me a little bit more about what World Youth Day is in general? Do you know anything about its origins? Yeah. So uh, World Youth Day uh, was uh, something that uh, was on the heart of John Paul II, uh, who throughout his priesthood and throughout his time as a bishop really just had a heart for young people. And he saw and knew that uh, that they're the future of the church. And if the church is going to continue, if the faith, if uh, Jesus's salvation and mercy and love is going to continue, it needs to hand on to the next generation, not just stop at the one it's at. Yeah. So he he had a real heart for young people. And uh, he, he said, hey, I want to bring the whole world together, all the youth around the world together to one spot to actually worship together and pray together. And everybody said, you're insane. Uh, and he said, yep. I'm going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I know, it, it just blew up and people just were not expecting to have the, the well, the results that it did. And it uh, yeah, just has continued to be something in the church the last 20 years or so that, uh, yeah, people weren't expecting. Right. Yeah. First celebrated in 1986. Yeah. JP2 coming in hot. Mm-hmm. Yes. He had a heart for the young people, no doubt. Cool. So my question is, what is your story of falling in love with Jesus? Anybody? It's up for grabs. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah. I think that's a story that would basically be a summary of my whole life Yeah, <laughs> because it's still going on. I'll just try and give you a few of the highlights. I was baptized as cradle Catholic. So As soon as I was born, my parents had me baptized. I grew up going to Catholic school. We went to Mass every Sunday. It was always just like a part of my family, a part of something we did. And really, it was around middle school, high school years, right after I got confirmed, which is a sacrament in the church where you become in full, fully initiated within the Catholic church. And it was after that that I really started the Lord put on my heart, I need to start making this my own, start taking it more seriously. Mm. So I got involved by going to things like Camp Tekawitha, where we are here, uh, Steubenville Youth Conferences. And the more I just started to get involved and see my friends in these things, the more it just started to grow with me. And suddenly I found myself just started going to daily mass, maybe once a week if I could. And all these opportunities that I'd just been blessed to be surrounded with and by the environment that I grew up in, I began to make more and more my own. And the more the Lord, the more I gave to the Lord, the more the Lord just kept inviting me in deeper and deeper until senior year. I'm at high school going to mass every single day, sacristaning mass, which is the people who help set up and take down. And just the more I kept diving into that, the more I realized how much the Lord gave me in return. And there'd be nights where I'd just spend, get to spend an hour in Eucharistic adoration Mm. with friends, which were some of like my highlights of high school and going away to college. I didn't go right to seminary. I went to a secular institution first and I had a great time there. I had made so many friends, but the thing that I really felt like I was missing was that intimate relationship with the Lord where I could go to mass every day, where I could share him with all my friends. 
And that was something that the Lord put on my heart. And seminary seemed like one of the most logical answers to that. And there are so many other ways the Lord was calling me to seminary as well. But just getting to spend that intimate time with him really has helped me grow and really helped me see his love in my life. Let's go. I love what you said about confirmation, how that was a transformative, uh, like a pivotal moment for you. And confirmation is the sacrament where it's the, it's the final sacrament of initiation, right? Where we are brought into the fullness of the Catholic church, just as, insofar as like we are, um, it's, we are fully mature in Christ through the grace that he bestows at confirmation. And we receive a, a special anointing at confirmation where we are anointed. And just at confirmation, we receive the the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, access to the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit that St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. And it's not just these the sanctifying gifts of the Holy Spirit that Isaiah 11 talks about, that talks about fear the Lord, piety, uh, what's, what are some of the other ones Counsel, here? Wisdom, Count, understanding. Right, right. So these ones that you receive at confirmation are ones that are meant for the upbuilding, consolation, and encouragement of the body of Christ, which I love, 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 because it's outward focus. It's not inward focus. It's outward focus. The Holy Spirit is working on us constantly for our internal sanctification, growing in holiness, in communion with the Lord. But the charismatic gifts are these gifts truly meant the, the words, the word charismatic literally means a gift, like charis is the Greek word for gift. So the, the gifted momentness of these special gifts are for the outward, for the building, for the bringing the kingdom all around us. So I just get fired up about that. Yeah, come on. And then you started leaning in. Yeah. And look at you now. I mean, the Holy Spirit. You've arrived. He, he shows up when you call on him. And yeah. I love that charismatic element that you're talking about where yeah. It's a total gift of relationship that we have others here with us right. and others have really supported me along my way and my own faith journey that I want to be able to do whatever I can to lean in with the Holy Spirit and give right back. Yeah. Amen. Um, I love story uh, with uh, with Jesus. Uh, really, uh, yeah, it starts in my family. Uh, my family growing up uh, wasn't very practicing. Uh, my, my grandparents were on my mom's side and my, my parents and I, I mean, uh, my younger sister, we would go to church most Sundays, but not every Sunday. And I remember as like a little kid, uh, really being s- sadly kind of happy that the days we didn't have to get dressed up and yeah. go someplace just to sit and listen. And then uh, when I was in middle school, uh, my family's life radically changed uh, because my mom and dad both went on chirp retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, what seems like uh, a snap of a finger, my family went from like somewhat involved and okay and not super interested to right. like we're doing everything and yeah. we're all in uh What's a, and, what is a trip retreat uh christ renews this parish yeah. uh they are are great retreats uh held by parishes to really help uh people awaken their faith yeah that, uh help them to come to know jesus personally and that when they go to church that's more than just them kind of sitting in the pews but actually it's actually uh this moment of prayer and conversation right. and this moment of interaction where God actually comes close to us. Yeah. Uh, fostering those encounters, right? Mm-hmm. The encounters with the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It sounds like St. C.S. Lewis talks about these uh, Christianity cannot be moderately important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be either completely mm-hmm. unimportant or it's yeah. eternally significant and important. There's no in between. And it sounds like that was like a, a moment of shaking yeah. of the family, like your, your, your parents, came into this infinite 
like recognition of the infinite importance of that lived relationship with the Lord. Yeah, my parents had this radical encounter and it, it totally changed everything. My mom went on a retreat in March. My dad went on the, the men's one in October. Mm. In the span of six months, our family turned around. And as a, as a middle schooler, I was kind of just along for the ride yeah. uh, with that. Uh, that it's just like, okay, this is what my family does now. Uh, but kind of going through high school, uh, started to do more of these faith things, be involved in Steubenville conferences, be involved in in uh, youth groups and different things like that. Uh, but still like not really finding my place. And uh, I went to an all-boys high school in St. Louis and uh, constantly was looking for, yeah, the approval of the guys around me, yeah. trying to find my niche, find a find where I fit, trying yeah. to find where I belong and, and willing to really do just about anything to, to find that. Uh, and, uh, I hit this, this spot really in winter of my junior year, uh, where I like caught myself. I didn't realize at the moment, but the Holy spirit was just actually like just putting a question on my head, mm. uh, of just, uh, would you want your younger sister to be like you? Uh, and, wow. uh, in this moment as a, as an older brother, I had this like honest moment where I was like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want my younger sister to be like me. And it was this moment that God was really priming the pump. Uh, and uh, what I didn't realize was at the time, my mom had actually signed me up for a retreat about a month later uh, and said, yeah, I'll go, I'll go on it. You guys have already spent the money. I'll go on the retreat. And I didn't know that, that God was priming the pump and, and priming that time. And I went on that retreat, and for the first time, I really uh, met teenage guys who were all in. I met teenage guys who had joy and peace that weren't worried about what other people were thinking about them, yeah. weren't worried about where they were fitting in. Uh, and uh, when I saw that, I immediately wanted what they had, so I, I tried mm -hmm. to do what they did to try to get what they had. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the things that they started to do at that retreat was at the end of the night, they would pray night prayer together and then like stick back afterwards and pray. Um, and just sit in quiet. And I didn't know what I was doing in that dark chapel, but yeah. uh, I, I decided, okay, they're not leaving. I'm not going to leave either. And right. one by one, they started to leave. And then I found myself being the last one just alone in the chapel. Mm. And I uh, had this moment where uh, I yeah, just started to, to look at my life and say, I'm not, I'm not as happy as I want to be. Yeah. And I... I don't have everything together and I am looking for more. And I, I just turned uh, in that moment. And I think that's really my first real honest prayer of like, God, I, I am not Come on. making myself happy and the world doesn't make me happy. And I've tried my whole life to make myself happy. None of it's working. Wow. Uh, and I don't want to serve myself anymore. I want to give, I'll, I'm going to give you a shot. So show up. Yeah. Uh, wow. And yeah, pretty radically after that for the next year or two, uh, being a senior in high school to, yeah, finding myself at Benedictine College and, and finding support and brotherhood and, and other men who are really helping me to grow yeah. uh, and focus in SPO and St. Paul's Outreach. So good. Um, yeah, that solidified and, Man, and took root. The best prayer that we can ever pray is the most honest one. Mm. Man, just the moment of breaking where something just breaks. You know, it's like uh, it's like one of those um, emergency like ice packs mm -hmm. that they're, they're composed of these two parts, right? You have to snap it, you have to oh, break yeah. it, and it comes together and it just gets really cold. Or the inverse happens if you got a hot pack or whatever. But just man, something broke mm -hmm. when when the when the world brings us to our knees. It's the Lord who's there waiting for us. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't bring us. He does not break our backs. He does not break our backs. His yoke is mm -hmm. gentle, and it is light. 
and his his burden isn't really a burden because he's doing the brunt of the work. Uh, but wow, just this the the moment where you you're like, man, you know what? And that's just so profound about the sister about your sister. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't want my sister to be like me right now. But wow, that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord for brotherhood. Yeah, and for witness. Another thing I was gonna say was just anybody out there listening right now, like the the coolest kids in high school are the ones who don't care about what other people think. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, like the, the varsity athletes or whatever, or the superstar, you know, 36 ACT people. Um, one of my, my sister-in-law is one of those people. Uh, she got a 36 on the ACT, but she's also confident. She doesn't really care what people think. So I love you as well. Um, <laughs> but just this not caring about what mm-hmm. the world says, because it will never satisfy. Mm-hmm. It won't. And putting my foundation on the rock of Christ and that's a, that's a strong and sure and steady foundation that we can all build our lives on. So high school happens. You, find, you go to BC, meet your wife, and yeah. here you are. Yeah, here I am. Come did on. A, did a couple of years with St. Paul's Outreach afterwards. Oh, you did? And then uh, I've been teaching at St. James the last time. Nice. Where were you stationed as a SPO missionary? Uh, I did a year in Kansas City with young adults. Oh, cool. And then I did two years at Benedictine uh, while Allie was a, she was a residence hall director for one of the dorms. So nice. we lived in the freshman girl dorm with 140 freshman girls. and <laughs> Sounds like the dream. Uh, she did that, and I worked with St. Paul's Outreach while we were there. Cool. Yeah. So you know, you're good buddies with Nick Red then? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah he, we had him on a podcast, and I think his episode actually came out today. Oh, nice. Uh, him and Eric Wamwell. Uh, oh, so nice. fun fact for y'all. Yeah. Max Niermeyer, tell us. Lean in. My love story with Jesus started similar to Jimmy's. Very solid foundation growing up in the church, cradle Catholic, Catholic middle school. Um, But I didn't really make it my own. I would go to uh, mass with the family. My parents wanted me to go to youth group in seventh grade and eighth grade, so I did. Um, But it was nothing outside of that. Um, My parents were very involved in the church, very um, well known. My dad is a deacon and uh, works for the archbishop. My mom was the head of the new, or one of the heads of the new high school, Catholic high school. Um, and that was kind of how people saw me. They saw me as um, like their, their son. And that's great. They gave me an awesome foundation to grow up from. But um, that C.S. Lewis quote you were just saying is very beautiful and prevalent to me. The fact that um, I think that I was trying to live in that middle ground where yeah. I didn't look like I was oh, crazy bought in and so into this. But I also, I didn't want to look the other way because I wanted to make my parents proud of me. It was interesting. You were just talking about being like a varsity athlete in high school and how those really aren't the cool people and you're, you're dead right. Um, I tore my ACL in October playing mm. soccer and uh, I didn't realize how much of my identity was involved in that. Yeah. And I surrounded it with until I didn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, once it was gone, I turned... Uh, to some of the horrible things of the world. And I so quickly saw that, um, that you're right, the cool kids, the popular kids, uh, they're the people that don't care. They're the people that uh, don't care about what the world thinks. They care about what Jesus thinks, what, what they're doing on Friday nights is going to adoration. What they're doing yeah. is um, praising together. And um, I didn't have that in my life at the time. And uh, I found a youth group that worked really well at St. Michael's, a, a family. Um, yeah. I turned in on my family at that time, and um, yeah, it was it was beautiful for me because uh, I had that awesome foundation, but I didn't make it my own until high school, um, honestly, the end of high school, and um, uh, yeah, I would find myself at youth group on Sunday nights. I would drive myself. I would find myself at adoration on Wednesday or on Monday nights, and then on Wednesday nights, we would have a guys group, and it was the same thing. I had this schedule, and um, 
finding myself in front of the Eucharist um, with people that had the, the same ideals as me, um, it pushed me to ultimately go to Benedictine where um, there's a lot of other stuff on the table that um, I knew it wouldn't make me better in the long run because it wouldn't be surrounded by Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And we're never like a, a complete finished product and we're all on the way. Yeah. And big shout out to Nick Johnson at St. Michael's. You're the man. Even if you're not listening to this, you're the man. Somebody give a shout out to Nick if you see him. And the same thing for Mr. Doug Lycom. Doug Lycom. At, at Holy yes. Spirit. Big Doug fan. I love you, Doug. Thank you for everything you did for Holy Spirit Youth Group. It was amazing. Doug's the man. He was in seminary for a minute too. Yeah, for a while actually. Yeah. Welcome back to the Doug Lycom podcast. <laughs> no, Doug's the man. So... What are you looking forward to most about this coming year at Benedictine, Max? Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to have my own schedule and um, getting involved early. Um, I know that once I have a schedule, it'll be hard to change things. So yeah. uh, we're going up two or three weeks early for soccer, but I'll have time to explore things like these focused missionaries, SPO. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of opportunities at Benedictine. So, for sure. Um, there's a chapel in my dorm room, which is Come on. something so attractive and beautiful about that school that... There's all these masks throughout the day. So wow. things like that are um, very attractive and I'm really looking forward to exploring those opportunities. Let's go. And let me just say on behalf of your parents that like, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Like they are proud of you too. They're so proud of you. The man who you are now and who you're becoming. So come on, Jesus. So what's your lived relationship with the Lord look like today? My today, it looks like uh, offering up uh, these guys I'm with. We're down at Camp Tekawitha, as Lee said, and we're offering our summers up. Um, it's serving him and it's beautiful, but we're finding ourselves at morning adoration, daily mass, um, the fruits that Jesus gives to, that he bears when from service is outrageous and it's yeah. sweaty and it's gross and it's smelly, but it is awesome. Yeah. Um, and you really see your patience with some of the kids, but then For you sure. see, um, I don't know. It's awesome seeing these kids come year after year. You see them in fifth grade. Um, and then. Uh, me and Drew and Jimmy's been here for a while, but me and Drew have been here for Drew and I have been here for seven plus years. Yeah, and you see these guys time. from fifth grade till juniors in high schools and yeah. just they keep coming back and they act like they hate it and they act like they want to go home and all this stuff. And they come back and they then they cry when they leave. So yeah. um, it's just seeing him work through them is beautiful. And um, yeah, the work the work is great. So if little plug here, if anyone's looking for a summer opportunity after high school, uh, for sure. It's, it's the best. Yeah. Nothing will um, prepare you for a life like on fire for Jesus than working here at camp. The hand of the Lord is on this place, on this property, on the leadership. No question. If you're a parent out there listening, man, should I send my kid to camp next summer? The answer is yes. I mean, just kind of building off that, that environment where we're so open about talking about Jesus and so just like willing to share him with everybody. Yeah. That's something that's really cool to me, just how prevalent the Lord is in the relationships with one another. Yeah. And I had an earlier meeting today where the core message of the meeting was like, I want to get your back. Like, I understand you've had some situations that come up that you're upset about. Like, I want you to know I've got your back and you know I've got mine. And that's all based in the Lord. Yeah. I was just reflecting on how like, okay, I'm a parent of three. I've got three under four. It's a blast, an absolute party. Recommend children very highly. They're amazing. <laughs> Sometimes my four-year-old does something so nice for his siblings, like his 11-month-old brother or his almost three-year-old sister, that is just so pure and good and joyful. And it's just like, when I, when I see this happening, I have to, I'm, I'm turning to my wife and I'm like, look, look, 
look what just happened. Look what just happened. And I feel like the Lord does the exact same thing with us. Like Jesus, he's like, dad, dad, look, 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 they're at camp. Did you see what they just did? They just said yes to us. They just said yes to you, dad, to glorifying you and to lifting your name on high and being a witness for you and for me unto the ends of the earth. Come on. And they're just rejoicing. They're just rejoicing whenever we say yes in that moment of service. You don't have to be at camp for the Lord to look at you and smile. The Lord is rejoicing over you as we speak. Drew, what's your relationship with Jesus look like today? Yeah, it looks uh, it looks pretty wild. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's always exciting and it's changing day by day and it's never the same uh, as, a, as a dad, as a husband, as a... Uh, director at camp, assistant director at camp as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, there's just every opportunity and, and Jesus is just giving me place after place to say, Hey, will you, will you pour yourself out here? Will you pour yourself yeah. out here? And, uh, praise God. He, he gives me the, the strength to do that. He gives me the opportunity to do that. And, uh, for me, my, my life wouldn't be the same if I wasn't going to him every day. Yeah. And, uh, it looks different depending on di- the different places. I'm also a dad of, uh, of a two and a half year old. Mm-hmm. So right now life's a little crazy, like during the school year uh, of like getting up real early and teaching through the day and then come home and you hang out with your kids while they're awake until it's bedtime. And then uh, like 730 to 830, that's like, that's my window. That's my window to get some prayer time in because mm. I know I need it. And uh, I take that time and then, and here at camp, it's a little more wild. It's a, you never quite know when you're going to get the window, but sometimes for me, it's like, oh, 1030 at night, here's a half hour. Like I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show up because I know you're showing up for me every day. And I know that I need this to be filled up. Wow. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, Jesus, uh, people or his mom and his brethren, which is kind of a misleading word. It's a word Adelphos in Greek Mm -hmm. just means his kin, his Mm -hmm. kin. Uh, cousins, whatever, are outside knocking, trying to get in to see him, but he's having an inner circle meeting with his disciples. And he's like, who is my mother and my brethren? Who is it? And he points to the disciples and he looks at them. He says, here are my mother and my brethren, those who do the will of my father. The Lord says the same thing to us. The Lord blesses our availability. Like when we make ourselves available, if we are interruptible for him, he blesses us nonstop. Yeah, so you pray in the evenings. Yeah. That's cool. Works best for me, especially with the little guy. Dude, good for you. I would yeah. never in a million years be able to do that. It's Yeah, it's not the prettiest, but it, it gets done. Yeah. I'm a morning guy. I pray first thing in the morning. Shower, get ready, pray. I'd say I'm very blessed in seminary to have a scheduled time for prayer every morning. We start with the holy hour, and then we go to mass, and that's an absolute blessing to have that. Yeah. But... What I've been able to reflect on and pray about this year in seminary is that if that's what the Lord is giving me as my baseline, and I recognize that it's a huge gift that many people don't have, Sure, that the Lord's inviting me to go even deeper into that. So what I try and do is I heard this talk, it's called about a holy visitation. Hmm. So I'd always try and get in like an extra holy hour and but I realized I was doing that just for the sake of being like, look at me, I'm so holy. My I spiritual muscles. Two holy hours. Yeah. yeah, spiritual muscles. Yeah. And this priest talked about a holy visitation in the sense that 
if I only have five minutes in between classes, do I pop into the chapel for just those five minutes? And like you talked about, availability, the Greek word that I can't remember. Adolphos. Adolphos, yes. If, am I making myself available to the Lord there? And, and it's those small things that I find most impactful for my yeah. prayer, where it's when can I make myself available to the Lord that's not already, by God's grace, built into my schedule? Mm. Because that turns it into a relationship and a two-way street. And right. That's something I still need to grow in, yeah. but it's something that I've seen the Lord helping me through a lot this year. Yeah. Sometimes you can just send a text. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that's great. Right, yeah. You don't need to have a sit down, you know, for an hour all the time. But sometimes if you got it in a minute, just text somebody, say, hey, thinking about you, you're the man. You know, that's cool. And the Lord will honor that for sure. Yeah. Amen. So a lot of our brothers and sisters out there, and a lot of us, honestly, uh, might be struggling or on the fence with this whole Eucharist idea, this topic of Jesus being present in the Eucharist. Like, what does that even mean? But what advice would you give to anybody out there who might be on the fence with Jesus in the Eucharist? I would say uh, if you're on the fence about if the Eucharist is really Jesus, I would say just ask him. Like, Jesus, are you really there? Show me. And I think if uh, you ask Jesus to show you, he's He's going to make it clear. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I, I find really beautiful as a as a sacraments teacher, and I, I get the, the privilege to do that, uh, is every year we just get to sit and really ask the question, like, is this really Jesus? And uh, time and time again, when we sit really with Jesus' words, uh, I am the bread of life. My, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Uh, he who eats of me uh, will not perish but have eternal life. And uh, when when the people start to push back and ask, like, do you really mean this? He doubles down. He goes harder in the paint on it. Mm-hmm. And he he's not afraid uh, to say, yeah, I really mean this. Yeah. And then uh, if that weren't enough to help us, to help us believe, he actually, he gives us reasons to, and he, he gives us miracle after miracle yep. of, hey, this, um, this piece of host fell on the ground and it caused an imprint in the stone floor yeah. and blood marks. And that's weird. Right. And, uh, hey, this Eucharist and this priest's hands is starting to bleed. And, and just casually bled and down his hands and trickled down onto the, the corporal on, yeah. the, on the altar, uh, the cloths on the altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, this, this chalice just started to boil. And they looked at it and they said, oh, that's no longer actually wine. That's actually blood. And it has a blood type. And, yeah. and those are just some of the hundreds of miracles that Jesus uh, yeah. has given us to help us believe. Yeah. Um, and I think the more uh, people turn to him and ask him to show up and, and the more they look at some of these miraculous things that uh, we can't explain, but it's true that it's, it's obvious that God's doing something in yeah. them. I think it, it solidifies and helps us to make yeah. that step, that leap. Yeah. Yeah, just look up, just Google Eucharistic miracles, heart tissue, mm-hmm. and just lean in there because it's insane. The amount of research that uh, secular scientists mm-hmm. have done on Eucharistic miracles, recent ones and ancient ones alike, and yet it all comes back the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same blood type. Same it's the DNA. Same t- yeah. It's, everything, yeah. It's just, what do you even say? Yeah. Just ask, too. Just ask the simplicity of a simple question. Just ask, Jesus, is this really you? And let him answer. 
uh, something that really helped me. Uh, I was growing up with, I had all the head knowledge that I could want and all heard all the stories of the miracles, uh, the Eucharist miracles. They're amazing. But I just said, Jesus, I'm going to come to Mass every day for two weeks and make a difference in my life, and I'll believe in you. And I tested God, and he stuck it to me. Yeah. And he he showed me for sure. But um, it was beautiful to see that he just flipped my life upside down and gave me way more than I wanted or that I even thought was possible. And mm. I was asking for him to show me his plan, and that is the scariest thing ever. Yeah. And he showed me a sliver of it, and I was horrified and amazed at the same time. What did he say? He opened up all of these doors that I thought could never be opened. Uh, all of these friendships that I thought were completely blocked off from him, uh, blocked off in general, but uh, these very surface level friendships where he was never a part of the equation at yeah. all. It was very friendship of utility or convenience, whatever. Sure. Not bad, but just not of him. Yep. And completely blew open these doors, started going to adoration with these people that I'd never talked to about Jesus, started having these conversations, breaking down walls, uh, healing these wounds cool. um, through him. And uh, yeah, no looking back there for me. Come on. I love throwing down with Jesus because <laughs> he does it like as a total big brother who's like way stronger than the younger sibling. <laughs> He'll totally just like show you, but in not an aggressive way, you know? Oh, I love it. It's so, it's so good. Yeah, I think Drew gave very good theological arguments. Max gave a great personal experience. And for those of you that are there on the fence, first of all, I want to just say, like, welcome. Thank you for asking questions and thank you for being open to this discernment with the Lord. Because like I talked about, it is a relationship. And that's a position that I know because it's a position that I've been in. And I think it goes back to a lot of what Max said, where my own personal relationship with the Lord and with the Eucharist, I remember I was trapped in a cycle of sin and then I went to adoration and I just gave it to the Lord. And in front of the Eucharist, I said, Jesus, I give this to you. And I gave him myself completely in that mess. But the more I kept going to Eucharistic adoration and being in front of the Lord in my weakness, the more he kept being able to fulfill me and strengthen me. And that's how I know that that is Jesus in the Eucharist, is that if it was just bread, I would still be just as weak as I was. But it, since it's God, he has filled me with his strength. Mm, that's a good word. If I could add one more thing to that. You sure can. Um, Another aspect of this, for, of understanding it and getting to know him was suffering with him and through him. Um, I think suffering is beautiful and making suffering your best friend is horrifying again. But it was yeah. uh, me and some of my buddies did this um, Exodus 90 um, starting in January and ending on Easter. And it is an extended Lent period, um, very extreme. You do cold showers, daily prayer, um, very... Um, not of the world, yeah, and uh, it's sacrificial, um, but it is it is really what ignited my um, faith journey uh, this year when I made it my own. And I just think it, any way you can suffer, whatever you can offer up, as Drew was saying, he wants to go to bed at 1030, but he knows that he needs Jesus. So he's offering up that 30 minutes staying up. Um, whatever it is in your life, I think if you could offer something up, be uncomfortable. It is so easy, and the world is shoving comfortability in your face. Yeah. Uh, JP2 has a quote, you're not made for comfortability, you're made for greatness. Mm. So mm. 
That's a good word. I think now might be a great time to transition into the second part of our conversation. We're going to discuss the final section of Dominice Cene, this document written by Pope St. John Paul II in 1980. It was the second year of his pontificate. It was the second year he was Pope. And he wrote this to his brother bishops for the purpose that these words might put forward some just general reflections on worship and the Eucharistic mystery, but why? So that the people, the church, might be built up and vivified to offer spiritual sacrifices. He says that in paragraph two. Really wanted to parse out this final couple sections, but paragraph 13 in particular, just really want to, it's just so beautiful. Gentlemen, what are some of your takeaways from paragraph 13? He says, we are all equally indebted to our Redeemer. We should all listen together to that spirit of truth and love him who he has promised the church and who is operative in her in the name of truth and of this love. Mm. That was very poetic and prophetic to me. Just um, that first line, we are all equally indebted to our Redeemer. Yeah, uh, I think that it really shows that we're all on the same playing field here and we, we all should have the same goal, but none of us are above one another and that if anything, or for a matter of fact, we are all indebted to him. We are all below him and should be striving to push each other closer to him. Mm. That's an interesting thought. Like we are beneath him insofar as like our concupiscence. A concupiscence is a very long, full of syllables word that just means our inclination, that we as mankind still have this inclination to sin, that we have an inclination to fall short of the glory of God and to, to rely on ourselves rather than him. But he, in all of his goodness, came and became one of us so that he might redeem our fallenness, so that he might redeem our fallen nature so that we don't have to be citizens of that world anymore. That's insane. And yeah, just the infinitely, or what did he say? We are all equally indebted to our Redeemer. Why? Because God is infinitely good. He is infinitely beautiful and he is infinitely the truth. And anything that isn't infinitely good, true, or beautiful is an infinite offense unto that. And in that sense, because we all have fallen short of the glory of God, as St. Paul tells us, all have sinned, all have fallen short. In that sense, we are all equally indebted to him because we need him. He goes on to say, I beg you, let us abandon all opposition and division and unite in this great mission of salvation. That gets me hyped. Come on. Getting all my notes, bro. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it gets me excited for uh, his perfection, his salvation. The, yeah, we're in this together, and he's coming down to do it with us, but he just wants us to be with him ultimately. Yeah. And what are we doing if not helping each other get to him? Yeah. Uh, I would say that um, the same line, actually, is what struck me. Come on. Uh, actually, both sets of lines. Max took both of them. Same. Um, we are equally indebted to our Redeemer. We should listen all together to that spirit of truth and of love whom he promised the church and who is operative in her. I, I've always loved that word. Um, well, that second part, promise to the church and operative in her, that yeah. the Holy Spirit is is not just something the church happens to be blessed with. It's something that God wants, uh, that God wants to be with us as his people. Yeah, And he wants to provide for us and he wants to equip us and he wants to... Uh, encourage us and help us in in the the daily grind of life because it is it is difficult um, and he wants to to do it with us and that word like operative he wants to be in that work with us yeah. cooperate with us yeah yeah it's so weird it's so so weird and backwards it doesn't make sense John sixteen Jesus tells us it is 
to your advantage mm-hmm. that I go away. Yeah. It's better for you. It's uh, better. It is better for you that I go away. You'll do greater things than I. Right. Yeah. And you're it's like, like, how? You're Jesus. You're like, no, <laughs> no, Jesus. I don't want you to go. I want you to hold my hand forever. Uh, why don't you just stay here? It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, Jesus. Just hang out. It's going to be fine. Because no, if I don't go, then the spirit of truth won't come to you. Mm-hmm. But if I go away, I tell you the truth that I will send him to you and he will lead you into all truth. Mm-hmm. Oof, come on. Come on. For some reason, Jesus knew that it would be better for us to have the Holy Spirit here today, to, to have him here physically present mm-hmm. as a friend on earth with us yeah. forever. It doesn't make sense, but I love him. Yeah. And wildly, like, yeah, because of the Holy Spirit, like, that Jesus isn't just present on one place on the earth anymore, yeah. but he is now present in every single tabernacle and he's yeah. present in every single church. Right. And he's present among his people in a, in a mysterious way. Yeah. That he wasn't before. It's so crazy, man. You think about how Jesus, he gave his authority to them mm-hmm. to go and to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind. Mm-hmm. to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to cast out, to cleanse lepers. He did all this. He gave that authority to them in Matthew 10 and that he's been, he's given us the same authority too because this authority has been given to all the baptized. We've all been baptized into the priesthood, prophet, and kingship of Jesus, which is crazy. But ladies, don't worry. You're a king in Jesus, but like the bride of Christ is the body of Christ is the church. So like I'm a dude and I'm the bride of Christ. What? So we kind of got that little dichotomy going on. So don't, don't freak out. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, I liked what you were saying there, that authority. Um, the great Archbishop Joseph Nauman was here last night. The great. And the wonderful. <laughs> after mass, we were talking and he was, we were talking about what we should pray for and all these things, how he's about to go to Portugal with Portugal, Jimmy. Yeah. But he was saying that we should pray that Jesus reveals himself to the people in need. And I just thought that was beautiful that, with Catholic social teaching, the the poor and the vulnerable. If we're not helping them, what are we doing? Sure. If we're well, that's what we were just talking about. If we're not helping all these people, what are we doing? So, praying for Jesus to reveal Himself to others, I think, is a beautiful way to look at that. Yeah. You think about our mission mission field, our territory that we've been assigned. It's like your mission field, your territory is everywhere that you go, because the Lord is waiting on you to make His love known to them. Like we could pray for that, but it's a scary prayer because He's actually sending us wherever we wherever we find ourselves going he's like you've got work to do everywhere you go which is cool and scary and awesome yeah max you talked about in your time with the eucharist how jesus like you asked to just see that little part of his plan and then he showed it to you and so yeah lee like that's a mission field that it it scares me a little that (laughs) that if i ask for god to reveal himself but that's what this document's telling us to do and i love how it's focusing on like how we are in unity and how we are a team, communion, the Eucharist, like we are all one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that's just something that gets me so hyped. The line that actually stood out to me uh, says, a very close and organic bond exists between the renewal of the liturgy and the renewal of the whole life of the church. And when I think of the whole life of the church, I like I just think of what World Youth Day, what I imagine it's going to be like. People from all different countries speaking every different language. Yeah. We are one. Like we're all coming together. Like the World Cup's going on right now. I'm loving watching it. Right. And that's cool to watch just people play for their country to come across 
state lines or city lines, whatever, right. play for their country. We're talking about a universal church here, and that is incredible. And I've just, even this year, the renewal with the Eucharistic revival movement, we're at the parish level stage now. I don't know about you guys, but the other day we had adoration for 11 and 12-year-olds. Mm. And we, I was told we're doing an hour of adoration for 11 and 12-year-olds. And I was like, there is no way Gold. that that works. Yeah. yeah, we're not having kids sit for that long. But we did. Mm. And that's where I'm seeing this revival, this unity in the church is everyone coming together around Jesus. Yeah. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. All the turmoil in the world, especially in the church, people are just at each other's throats all the time. But he says this, and how is it that the Eucharist, which is the sacrament of piety, the sign of unity, and the love, the, the, the bond of charity that binds us, how can this form between us a point of division or distortion of thought or behavior instead of being the focal point, constitutive center, which it truly is in its essence of the unity of the church. The, the voice of the Holy Father preaching to his children, just like, can we not just get along? Can we just get along? Can we stop fighting and just focus on what truly matters here? It's important to make distinctions because clarity, clarity is a mark of beauty and beauty is of the Lord always. But like, can we just get along and focus on what truly matters? So I don't know, that really stuck out to me. I also liked, uh, there's a, a spot where talks about the Holy Spirit has spoken to the church the truths and given the indications for carrying out her mission among the people of today and tomorrow. Uh, I think uh, it's really beautiful to hear uh, that um, yeah, that God God actually has a, the plan and he's, he's actually unfolding it with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that we don't have to fret and worry about every single little step. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, the Holy Spirit the one, is the one who actually is going to change hearts and bring people to to know Him and to know His love. Uh, and all we have to do uh, is be available, is to to be the hand that reaches out or be the person yeah. that's willing to make the invite or even just be the person that's willing to sit in the, the dining room table across from the person that, that needs to have someone listen to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, God's doing something greater through even those little things. Yeah. yeah. You, dear listener, could give somebody a miracle today, tomorrow. You could be the answer to someone's prayer. All you have to do is be available and give yourself in whatever way the Lord's asking you throughout the day. Because if we're faithful in the little yeses, we'll be able to say yes in those big ways eventually. So yeah, just the the availability. Just say yes to him and you could answer someone's prayer just by your daily life. Any other thoughts, Jimbo? Jimmy? I think you perfectly <laughs> summed it up. I like the new nickname drop, though. Jimbo? You like Jimbo? Jimbo? I'll take it, yeah. Okay, Jimbo, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an honor to be with you. Guests, esteemed guests, gentlemen, thanks for being here today. Thank you for your apostle. Thank you for your yes to the Lord and for for sharing about how he's moving in your hearts and he's moving in your lives. I can't wait to see, Max, what your future holds at BC. You're going to tear it up. Jimmy, Jimbo, gonna tear it up at seminary thank you yeah you're no you're the man seminary's a long road so just be patient patient with yourself patient with the lord patient with your brothers andrew thanks for all that you're doing here at camp thanks for um yeah thanks for your yes thanks for your fatherhood thanks for your for your brotherhood thanks for yeah i mean i just this place is bearing insane insane fruit and um at the assistance helm or whatever you're just you're helping lead the charge thanks for all that you're doing man Thank you. Yeah. Dear listeners, thanks for tuning in today. 
Hope you have an amazing day. If this podcast has blessed you, please share it with your friends and family. If this podcast has blessed you, please share it on social media. If this podcast has blessed you, leave a review. Five stars, really easy, unless you're driving. Be safe. Don't drive and review at the same time. Thank you for everybody out there again who's left a review. You're helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. You are the church. We are the church. And we've got work to do. So let's get to it. Thanks for listening. This has been New Mana. We'll see you next week.